Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to these. Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me today is not Zach Bartles. However, uh, we've got Greg Dutcher joining me again uh, today. Zach uh, could not make it because of the timing of the recording of all the podcasts and everything, but I'm so stoked to have uh, the godfather of these oh. go to 11 back. Oh, uh, man. Greg Dutcher. Uh, Greg, this is, uh, this is just like old times, baby. It is. I love it, dude. This is just you and me. Yeah. Starting off like in the old sound room in the old church building. That's right. This time in a a more uh even more casual yeah. relaxed atmosphere at Casabel. I love it. Yeah. We um, uh got the kind of the middle bedroom of our house set up and got that uh sound worthy, soundproof worthy of uh being able to do these recordings in here. So we got a nice big huge uh I don't know, full-size bed over there that's yes. like taking up a good quarter of the room here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hop on that thing halfway through this, man. You, you you might have to bring it all the way home if I'm uh, if I'm on that. <laughs> hey, and I wanted to say you gave uh, Bartles, you know, the, you gave him the culturally appropriate excuse. He's got things going on. I wanted to give a biblical one why he's not here because he's a double-minded man unstable in all his ways. <laughs> Right, so I'm hoping Zach hears that. Well, if uh, if everybody listened to uh, the the previous uh, podcast, um, oh, dude, that was fun. So yeah, last week's podcast, uh, of course, Zach was joining us, um, and the reason why he's not is we're doing two of these back to back in one day, and he had to go pick up his uh, his business partner and friend Ted Clock, Mr. Clock, um, and so they're going to be looking forward to uh, smoking many cigars yes. in uh, his Nakatomi smoke room yes. up there in Michigan. So. Yeah, see, we don't do that, Nathan, because we're Bible-believing Christians. No, uh, actually, Greg, we don't do that yeah. because my wife would kill us if we smoked in this <laughs> we room. Don't do it. Exactly. And Lisa would say to me, why are you spending money on cigars? Right. So uh, that's probably probably uh, more accurate for sure. But, um, yeah, I want to give a quick shout-out to Mission Aware. Um, as always, you know, we love partnering with them. We love the great products that they are. Um, producing over there. Um, I was actually just looking at their uh, line of coasters that they have. I know in my house, you know, my wife is always getting on me about putting, you know, the drinks that sweat onto uh, furniture oh, yeah. and things like that. And they have some great coasters over there the Spurgeon, the Calvin, the uh, Post Tenebrous Lux, the Killing Sin, you know. So even, even things as small as that, you know, if you're looking to kind of decorate your house a little bit this is something that you can throw in there for mission aware that's you know not like ostentatious and yeah. out there you know but more subtle and people are looking at it going hey that's kind of cool where'd you get that and work mission aware into the conversation so yeah, check out missionaware.com for all of your great reformed needs and or wants yes <laughs> Um, so Greg, we were, it, it's funny cause we just finished recording with Zach and Zach was like, what are you guys talking about? And I'm like, I don't know. We'll figure it out as yeah, we go along. We'll talk and something will emerge <laughs> or it won't, but no, I think something has emerged. Yeah. Something has emerged. We had a, you know, brief little, you know, two or three minute break while I was saving the previous podcast. And, um, we were initially going to start off talking, you know, just, uh, kind of maybe go a little old school, talk about entertainment and okay. some of the things we'd been watching. And then you were like, you know, maybe we can somehow work it in and do um, something on styles of preaching and things like that. Yeah. And so I was like, well, why don't we do that first? Because I'm going to be going back to New Hampshire. We leave um, this Thursday, which will be June 21st. Yeah. And uh, we, we go up north and we're going to be uh, out of state in the New England area for three weeks, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Um, and when I go home, if I can, I try to 
preach in my small hometown church that I grew up in. I've been doing that since I was um, in high school, really. That's awesome. Um, When my pastor would go away, he would he would come to me and you know say, "Hey, I'm going to be you know I'm going to be gone for you know two weeks." He would get you know a two week back to back vacation uh, in the summertime, and would you mind preaching one of those weeks? And so. Um, I would do that. And so every time I go back home, I let them know. And um, if if it works out, then I end up preaching on one of the Sundays that I'm there. So um, and and so I just thought this this would be great because you've been doing more research on styles of preaching, not necessarily content. And no. I want to put that out there yeah. because you're going to mention some names. Oh, yeah. And people are going to be like. One of two things: either people are going to automatically dismiss you as a heretic sure, because you've been listening to them, or they're going to be like, "Oh, well, great listens to them, so they must be good." Yeah. Um, and so we want to caveat this and just be like, "You're listening to these preachers, all different kinds of preachers, yeah. simply for their style, right? And right. Um, doing your best to kind of ignore the content." Sure. In some oh, cases. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so talk, talk to me how that's been going and, and what kind of sparked you into that journey? Good question, Nathan. When I was, um, a new believer, I was 16 Mm -hmm. and of course my, uh, parents at the time were not Christians. And I, I remember coming in one evening, I feel like it must've been a Sunday evening. And my father, I found him doing this a couple of times is watching. I mean, so this is like 86, 87. He's watching Jimmy Swaggart oh, wow. on TV, and I was puzzled by it, and I didn't say anything, and then I asked him after one of these viewings, I said, Dad, were you, you watching Jimmy Swaggart? And he kind of chuckled and said, uh, yeah, my father, I don't know if I got it from him, loves the art of oratory, mm. and I've heard him speak a few times in some, he was a librarian, he was a yeah. branch manager of a librarian, so he never had... Much of a venue for it, but you know, a staff kind of thing, a retirement party. I've heard my dad speak, you know, a little bit of wedding rehearsal dinner, and uh, you know, he he is uh, a connoisseur of speaking. Not that he does much of it, mm-hmm. but he appreciates it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he must have loved the eight years that our former president Obama was in office. Then, oh yeah, 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 probably, probably, because Obama is known as the orator, yeah. right? And uh, although my personal view on that dude is that mm-hmm. he did love uh, his uh, his oratory, I actually thought for for oratory Clinton mm-hmm. had an effective means. He had that Southern kind of thing yeah. going on, and uh, he had a to me a certain polish he had mm-hmm. picked up along the way. Where Obama, they say, was a little more wedded to the teleprompter, oh, yeah. but man, he delivered it yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, you, you, whatever you think of you Obama, he delivered it. Smooth swagger that came was. from him, which was something to look at. I actually just introduced my students to um, some of Reagan's speeches. We, yeah. um, so okay. I teach middle school science, and so when Reagan was in office, you had uh, a challenger that that uh, blew up. On right, its, of on course, its way up, it, yeah. um, it blew up, and it was the first. Uh, it was actually uh, – yeah, it was the first shuttle, the very first shuttle of all the space program yeah. that exploded um, in launch. Yeah. We had we had several that um, were unmanned that exploded on the ground. We had the one fire yeah. um, that killed the three astronauts, but this was the very first one. And that speech that he gives – Oh, the touch the face of God? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just it, – you're sitting down there and – 
this is a father inviting you as yeah. a child into the living room to explain this tragedy. And there's just such tenderness and compassion in his voice and the incredible. way he, he gives that. And, um, you know, I, I teach, um, at a predominantly, um, black school. Yeah. Um, and, and my students are all about Obama. Right. Um, whether, whether they can articulate why or not, sure. they're, they're all about it. And I show them that speech and they were just, they were blown away. Yeah. They had never heard or seen anything like this before. It was incredible. Um, it was incredible. That's the one isn't where he's, they slipped the circle yeah, bomb. Yeah, he her. quotes the um, – it's actually a poem that he quotes toward the end of yeah. that. And that's that's where that poem comes that's from. That's right. And Touch the face of God. Touch the face of God, yeah. Yeah, that – I remember that speech, Nathan, because I was uh, – it was 86. Yeah. Uh, around the same time I'm talking about. I, I was in high school. Uh, I was in uh, a science class, and they wheeled in the television. Yeah, to watch, know, the, to watch, to watch the launch, right? And it was – Yep. It was just incredible. You yeah. were checking Christy McCullough, which was I the knew teacher. actually because she taught right down the school from where I went to school in Concord, New Hampshire. No way. And we actually, she came into our school to talk about the mission and the program, um, and we were watching the launch live. Unbelievable when it happened. So yeah, wow, yeah, wow, Nathan. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, that's a great speech. Reagan is well. Uh, I mean, just if you look at him for, again, his oratory flourish, uh, a famous speech of his given at the Republican convention, I want to say it might be as far back as 64 when mm-hmm. Goldwater was running, uh, or was that 68? You know, it all predates both of us, so right, I don't feel right. bad. <laughs> Listeners can correct us. But he, um, uh, it's called A Time for Choosing, mm. uh, and it's a very well-delivered speech. The other one that I don't hear as much about, but I remember seeing on a History Channel thing mm. or... Or something like that. It was uh, the 40th anniversary of the Normandy invasion, mm. and he spoke there. Yeah, some powerful moments yeah. in that speech. Most famously, um, his his address to the Soviet Union. Oh, when he course. went over yeah. there, um, and then of course his farewell address yes. that he gives. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he and had that that buttery voice. Just yep. had a had had a tremendous voice. Uh, see, I love. Um, I've kind of picked that up. Uh, and I would say, Nathan, over my sabbatical, which we just talked about last week with uh, Zach, yep. didn't mention this, but about halfway through when I was getting some really, really big fish fried, yeah. uh, you know, and I got to some of the smaller fish, I just started thinking about some, some personal goals that I had upon my return. Sure. Uh, and this doesn't rank as high as many of them, but it's just sort of an interesting podcast topic, I think. Uh, is um, style of preaching. Yeah. And I, I'm not radically changing my style, mm-hmm. but what I came to see was I feel good about my style, but I've, I've just coasted, mm. and I put all of my work into content. Mm. I, I hope this sounds good. Okay. I'm still putting plenty of work into content, right? but I'm thinking more about how I communicate it, mm-hmm. How I deliver it. Uh, so, a couple of quick takeaways, and we can get into some other yeah. uh, other speakers and how they address things and how they bring the audience in. Uh, Lisa, you know, has been invaluable to me in this, and I asked her, you know, Lisa, what do you think? And she said, "Well, I think you you you're you're kind of in high gear right out of the gate, and you stay in high gear." Mm-hmm. And she said, "So I think." That may, and she's not even sure. She's just wondering. She goes, I think it's generally work for you, Greg. She goes, but I wonder 
uh, I was watching Andy Stanley. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm not talking about unhitching from the Old Testament right, or anything right. like that. I'm just saying as a pure style communicator. Right. Um, he, um, I was watching him, seeing he's very engaging with his congregation. You can tell when they pan to the audience, he's he's got a pretty captive audience. Mm-hmm. They're listening, and he's incredibly conversational. Mm. He's not really a screamer. Mm-hmm. Doesn't hit those real high points, and then, and then, right. and then, boom he's just sort of conversationally going. And Lisa said, I'm surprised that you're intrigued by him because you are not like him at all. Right. She wasn't saying it critically. Sure. But she just said, your style is so different. Yep. And um, so one of the things I'm trying to do is uh, is speak a little more conversationally mm-hmm. and save some of the overdrive Yeah. so that it's a, maybe – a little more effective. She says, you know, it's, it's, it's what any Christian seminar leader will tell parents. If you're always right, yelling, right. your kids don't listen to you. Right. You, and they say, you'll probably get your kids' attention more if you whisper. Yeah. If you don't take that trash out. Right. There's going to be real consequences. Right. The, it, just the, the shock That's value That's a lot more it. chilling yes. than, yeah. You know, and it might uh, make uh, those kids kind of... Uh, you know, oh, she doesn't normally talk like that, or he doesn't talk like that. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, kind of went a little bit ahead there, but I'm, uh, I'm just being a little more cognizant. I want to say again, all the caveats. It's the gospel that saves people. Yeah, not the style of the communicator. Yeah. Um, I sort of view this in keeping as a stewardship responsibility. In other sure. words, I think Spurgeon believed in some rhetorical flourish. I think one of his quotes, and I'm paraphrasing, was. Um, You've got the best food in the world to serve up. Right. Put it on your best china. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people love the uh, Jonathan Edwards uh, reading the manuscript in a bland voice. I get it. Right. It, it definitely speaks to the the power of the message. Right. Um, I tend to think that what happened there with uh, when he preached sinners in the hands of an angry God was a true sovereign revival. Sure. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure we're supposed to look at that and say that's how we should preach. Yeah. Um, Would it be fair, though, to say that you shouldn't try to break your personality to become yeah. someone else? Because oh, I remember when I first started preaching, um, you know, and, and at that point, like I said, I was in um, I was in high school. So I was I was a late birthday. So I was I was 15 or 16 as opposed yeah. to 14 entering ninth grade. Sure. And I remember when I first started preaching. I tried to be more humorous uh-huh. in my messages, yeah. and I, I felt like th- this isn't me. It I just gotcha. tanked. Yeah. Where now my approach is, I feel like I have an engaging personality uh-huh. and an engaging voice with people. Yes. And so they're naturally going to listen to what I have to say. And if humor comes from the things that I'm saying, yeah. so be it. But if I don't, if if I don't have one humorous moment in the sermon I'm preaching, I'm okay with that. Yes. I don't. I don't necessarily need to have uh, that that funny moment. I'm gonna. You know, this is who I am. This is how I engage. And yeah. so it, it seems like. When I try to force the issue, right. it flops. Right, and, and to right. me, it's like uh, it's not it's not worth it. Would you say that? That's- oh, dude, you're nailing it. Well, uh, first of all, Nathan, your voice is one. Of, I mean, that's your that's your instrument, man. Everybody that listens to the podcast has always said, you know, uh, your voice is is uh, is butter, man, and it's it's good. It is a great great voice. So that's going to give you a leg up, mm-hmm. just because the 
tone, timber, whatever right. the right words are, <laughs> of, of your voice is so good. But agree, your persona, yeah. you're speaking from your heart, you're speaking real, you're relating it to your life, and it's, it's very, very relatable. I have lived – well, part of it is I am such a, um, a, an unintentional chameleon mm-hmm. because I tend to just – I, I have this obsessive part of my personality. Yep. When I watch something, I really get into it yeah. and it occupies my attention. It's part of my ADHD where I'm, I'm able to hyper-focus on one sure. thing. And in the hyper-focus – you know, it can be all about Breaking Bad for right, right. a month of my life where I'm talking about it nonstop and then still love it. But, yeah, I've probably gone a while where I haven't talked about that with uh, with somebody. So it's very natural for me to take on the characteristics of that mm. preacher. Yeah. When I um, was first preaching, kind of right as I was going into seminary, I was preaching at my old PCA church. My first sermon mm-hmm. was basically a ripoff of John MacArthur. Mm. Uh, his style, even the way he says God. If you listen to him, it's kind of yeah. Got, I don't. It almost sounds like a Midwestern thing, although he's a Californian, right? But uh, you know, even my cadence was sort of. And that's why we know, and we live, and we love, and we see. Right. MacArthur does some of these things. He's got some right little uh, idiosyncrasies in his preaching sure. that that are just part of his personality. When I do them, it's phony. Right. It's not who I am. Right. I don't talk like that. So, yeah, I definitely think the um, the preacher should find his own voice. The communicator yeah. should find his own voice. Um, so that when you're listening to other people, observing how other people speak, you're more asking the question, okay, I'm, I can't be this guy. He's sure. not me. But what is he doing? Is he doing anything intentionally mm. or maybe unintentionally that's really really effectively grabbing people's attention that maybe I could benefit from. Sure. Um, Now, when you say Andy Stanley has more of a conversational tone to it, what do you mean by that? Because like when I think of conversation, I think of what we're doing right now, you know, there's like, there's question and interview and explanation where he's not, he's not gathering necessarily the input from the audience and, you know, the raising of the hand and things like that. Yeah. So, so describe to me what you mean by that conversational aspect. Good question. Probably has more to do that his delivery maybe feels more like one side of a conversation. Okay. So it, it is a monologue. Yep. He's not being interactive, um, nor does he intend to. I mean, he'll, he'll be a little interactive the way all preachers right. are. Like, you, you know what I mean? Or, right. Um, you know, let me see. Does anybody, you know, do such and such? But um, – it's hard to say his style is not as preachy as mm. my. In other words, the voice that I use when I preach yeah. is intentionally different than what I'm using now. Right. Uh, right. So that, uh, you know, I've often thought if I were to, to talk to you, Nathan, like I talked to the people yesterday on a Sunday, right. people are like, you know, Nathan, I know sometimes as we're considering what we're going to talk about on this podcast, you're wondering, do I do this or do it? Right. That would be weird. Yeah. And people yeah. Are like, what, what the crap is this guy doing, right. man? And, uh, <laughs> but it, it's not weird on Sunday. Yeah. Because it fits the occasion. Yeah. Stanley's probably, if conversational might not be the best word, because if he were sitting with us doing this podcast, it would still be some of that Sunday morning mm-hmm. necessary polished monologue but it's closer to what right, we're doing right you it's, get a feel that his tone when he's up on stage is probably going to be similar to his tone in the podcast yeah, yeah yeah uh real quick aside though dude i mean 
he is a good communicator. Oh yeah. I mean, brilliant communicator. And I've heard him on, on a number of occasions and I do appreciate, um, this is a little more content. He told a story that I was a little surprised he told because, you know, we've talked about this, dude. Most mm-hmm. pastor's illustrations are safe. Sure. Yeah, sure. so our ongoing joke is what if a pastor wants to share how he's a sinner, sometimes I don't think I pray as much right. as I should. Right. Oh, my word. Right. What a what a devastating revelation. <laughs> right. Um, I yell at my kids every yeah. once in a while. <laughs> every so often. <laughs> sometimes I just don't know that I'm putting the Lord First, like I should. It's like you know. Oh wow, man! This guy, this guy's getting real danger of losing his job here. And um, so, anyway, he he told a story. Uh, I, I heard this recently. Can't remember what series he was doing, but I think it was how we we get ourselves into trouble with our words. Yeah. And I appreciated his honesty, and again, his conversational tone. Right. Added to it because it's just like what you would tell me if we were sitting in Starbucks somewhere. Yeah. Said. Um, same woman's been cutting his hair, I don't know, 20 years or something. So mm-hmm. every six to eight weeks, he's seen this woman for 20 years. Yeah. And they become friends, of course, and they've gotten to know each other. I, I, the way he told it, I think she's a believer or she became a believer, maybe mm-hmm. in part through uh, their friendship. And, um, you know, she was very close to her dad. Uh, I think her dad became a believer. And so they would just talk. And every time he would sit down, one of his first questions to her was, say her name is Mary. Hey, Mary, how's... Uh, how's your dad? Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, dad's great. And then over the years, it was, how's your dad? You know, he's not been feeling so well lately. And then mm-hmm. over the years, how's your dad? You know, uh, the procedure didn't work as well as they hoped. How's your dad? He's going in the hospice. Yeah. How's your dad? Not much longer. Yeah. And then uh, dad died. And Stanley says, and uh, I I helped officiate the service. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I prayed in it, et cetera. You know, we had the service. Dad was buried, et cetera. Um, you know, next time comes up for the haircut some weeks later, sits down. Can you guess what his first word is? Hey, uh, how's your dad? Mm. <laughs> you hear the audience gasp. Right. And he kind of took, cause yeah, I told you, uh, and this is bad. Right. This is bad. And I thought, man, I, I appreciated the yeah. honesty because it's so relatable. Ha- yeah. Haven't we all done something oh, like yeah. that? Oh, yeah. You get into a habit and a routine and exactly. you just, you're on autopilot. You're on autopilot. And her answer was great because she kind of looked at him surprised and she said, he's doing great actually. <laughs> right. And, you know, I think in the context of their friendship, right. it's fine. Right. You, know, you understood. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know why. Just you, you get in that habit. Yeah. Um, I actually did that, dude. Um, I won't say who. I'll tell you after the podcast with a mutual friend. <laughs> It was awful whose mother passed. Oh. Um, and we had prayed about it, knew mm-hmm. about it, didn't do the service or anything. And for some reason, mm-hmm. uh, we're at dinner one time and I asked her, I said, so your mom, and kind of looked as, oh, you remember she passed. I said, yeah. I'm, yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Just- it's funny because that, that, I mean, that happened to me a lot when uh, my father first passed away as well. You yeah. Know, where. It's just, it's so commonplace for people to think about, you know, oh, you have two parents. I mean, and I'll say even more so when I was growing up, yeah. like, yeah, there were some divorces. I mean, it's not like it is today. Sure. Um, and my father died when I was um, so much younger. So we're talking mid 90s as opposed to, you, you know, were 14 ages. I was. Right? Yep. Right. Yep. And, um, sure you know, I had uh, my drama teacher, uh, I, I was doing a, um, a skit with another friend and so we had an extra drama session we were doing for this skit that we were going to be performing yeah 
and uh, you know, she just kind of turns to me and we were trying to figure out costuming and things like that. And we needed some oversized, exaggerated clothing, yeah. you know, and my father, everybody knew him and he, he was like a big guy, six, four. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, she just kind of looks at me and she's like, well, you could just ask your dad if he has anything you could use. Oh. And this was, I think this was within like, um, two weeks of him passing away. Yeah. And like, as soon as she said it, the horror just oh, came over sure. her face. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, it's, it's okay. I mean, yeah. I get it. Like it, yeah. it hasn't sunk in and processed totally for me. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it, but, but you do like, it's not something that's readily on your mind right. when it happens, you right. know? Yeah. And you, uh, you're right. I like your autopilot. Yeah. You're just an autopilot. It's just natural to ask how, you know, sometimes I even think, oh, it probably wasn't the most sensitive to ask so-and-so how she's doing. Right. Knowing. It's, right. It's, that she's probably she's not been doing. in a terrible yeah. place. But it's just second nature. Yeah. It's like a how's the weather question. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what we do. Yeah. So. Um, now, Andy Stanley's not the only one you've been watching, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we're going to get to a couple others. But, like, have you been um, looking at, like, Alistair Begg more? Too. No, actually, no? Okay. I haven't. Because uh, part of it is I wanted to look at communicators that I haven't normally. Oh, so just heretics. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I've benefited most then by watching myself. Um, I'm like, man, this guy sucks. Joel Steen coming right, up there. Right. Actually, I have watched a little Joel. Have Steen. you, Mr. Yeah. Smiley? Huh? Just just from a uh, he he was one of the ones yep. I was going to mention. The guy, I'm going to say it, and uh, you know, this is uh, very risky. Sure, and sure. You've, you've got some connections here. Dude. Mm-hmm. Is uh, is Furtick in Elevation? Furtick. A uh, couple things that stand out to me about him. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, we're we're really trying to stick to style, etc. I never noticed. I've seen a million clips of him. Sure. From you know, people positively and negatively put sure. online. Sure. But he, uh, have you ever noticed he holds a microphone? Yeah. He doesn't use yeah. the. The ear, yeah, the earpiece. The earpiece. Yeah, he yeah. holds. It's kind of like an old school big mic. Yeah, yeah. And so I've asked a couple of people about that. These are some of the theories I've gotten. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe he's put it out there somewhere. So why do you think Furtick doesn't use a headset? Mm-hmm. And um, one dude who we both know said, um, honestly, and he wasn't even saying critically. Uh, critically, because I don't think he wants to mess up his outfit. Mm. And I said, oh, okay, Matt Smith, who I saw yesterday. Yeah, I asked him about it, and he said um, that uh, he thinks it's more that Furtick has kind of studied that Southern, almost Pentecostal, yeah, maybe you'd say even Baptisty culture, T.D. Jakes, yeah, all that, and and it's almost a position of power when you hold a mic like that. Mm. It's I'm just saying culturally, that's more common sure. in those settings where you. You hold the mic; it's it's it means something sure. almost. Because I've wondered, uh, oh, that's interesting. He's about the only guy I've seen that doesn't use a headset. Today. Right, right. Uh, it would drive me nuts personally. Oh yeah, because I love having both hands free. Yeah, you know, I feel like you right. can you can do more. And the few times I find myself in a visiting church context, mm-hmm. I'm holding a mic. I, I haven't liked it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, remember the old days too when we had sound problems. Right, right. I'd have to hold a mic, and it drove me nuts. Yep. Because immediately I'm doing some mental adjustment. Oh, I don't have both hands right. free, and I got to keep this here. Yeah, and you can only do everything with one hand, you know. And yeah. it feels it it feels kind of strange. Furtick, though, let me say a couple of things about him that mm-hmm. stand out to me. Um, f- sheer oratory, brilliant, mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant. Um, I've watched him the most, okay, because I've been very intrigued by. Uh, you know, naturally, you know, there's a lot going on on him all the time, and yeah, um, 
he is a master of kind of the slow buildup. Mm-hmm. If, if you watch, usually at the beginning, it's very conversational. Hey, a couple of jokes mm-hmm. here and there. And I think he's now created a culture where they're waiting right. for him to hit the stride. Right. And I sense, I could be wrong on this, but mm-hmm. this is what it feels like as an observer online, that he is um, uh, almost at times teasing the audience. Sure. Giving sure. them a couple of scraps of meat that they want more. Right. He'll start like he's he's going down a path and boom, and then he'll pull it back. Right. And it's almost like you almost see people, oh, give me more, give right, me more. Right, And then at one point in the sermon normally is the big eruption Right. Everybody stands on their feet. They're clapping. He's screaming. And right. Matt Smith does love the one line where he says, I'm preaching better than you're listening. Uh, <laughs> Matt goes, come on. Whatever you think of, that's a brilliant line. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, so uh, it's it's interesting, the the very different style. Now, some of the stuff he does, like, I, to me, is, oh, I would never want to do this. I think it's what, you wouldn't culture. want to like lay down on a couch right. in like George Costanza <laughs> position, like <laughs> posing for the camera. My biggest problem is I don't think I'd be able to get back up. You know, I mean, Furnick's obviously in much better shape than right. I am. So for him, he could just do a one hand, you know, one handed push up, be back up for me, man. I would need like the elder team to come out, you know, with a crane and, uh, you know, get me, uh, get me back up on my feet. But he, um, does, there's a lot of cultural stuff where he says, you know, turn to your neighbor. You ever see that? Yeah, yeah, Turn yeah. to your neighbor. Yeah. Tell your neighbor and they repeat it to each yeah, other yeah, and yeah. stuff, which is was a surprise to me. I'm going to get off the reservation here a little bit because I think of Furtick as, um, and I think wrongly in some ways, I, I assumed more of a kind of quote-unquote seeker-sensitive guy. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I've got a little bit of that in me. I'd rather call it what Larry Osborne does, sinner-friendly. Right. Because uh, I think the seeker-sensitive movement, we've talked about that before, Nathan, that much of it can be commended. Mm-hmm. But I think where it's gone too far is when the gospel gets truncated and, and reduced to this kind of tepid, yeah, um, yeah. you're lonely, Jesus will, will, will right. cure all your loneliness. Right. You're purposeless, he'll give you purpose. Right. You know, we make him sort of this... Right. This kind of right, or you were created for his benefit. Exactly, the other way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's it, there's that sense where the the gospel loses its edge. Right. The encounter between the holiness of God and the sin of man and right. the beauty of what Jesus did. That's where I think it's it's gone off the rails. Right. But in my mind, I do think regularly. And we talk about this at our elders meetings. Okay, if somebody comes in to our church and yep. the coffee tastes like crap. Right. I don't want that. It creates a bad experience. I, uh, my, my ideal is that everything is wonderful, everything is great, and the thing that puzzles them is, right. man, what is it that's bugging me? And yeah. I want it to be the gospel. Yeah. Because they can't blame it on a rude usher. Yeah. They can't blame it on crappy coffee. Yeah. They can't blame it that our bathroom looked filthy and yeah. toilets weren't cleaned and flushed yeah. and all this stuff. Dude, one of, the, one of the things that I remember most about our church when we were um, at the old building yeah. um, is a guy named Rudy. And yeah. his boyfriend. Oh yes, right, right. Attended for several weeks, mm-hmm. and and I knew them because they owned a hair cuttery place right across the That's street right. from where I worked at the liquor store. Yeah, and um, 
I, I remember being intrigued at the fact that they were that for a time they were coming, and this was this was a good like three four it month was. stretch. It was yeah that they were there every Sunday. Even so, um, this was going into the summer, so they came to the church picnic that we had I and remember. got involved with you know the activities and things like that. And I was intrigued by that because. Yeah. You you know it's not like you were pulling any punches with the gospel or anything right, like right. that. It was very clear you know that God's here to, here to deal with our sin. Yeah. Um. You know, and so I was I was fascinated by that, and that's one of my favorite stories to tell. Yeah. Is that that's what a church should look like? That right. people should be comfortable enough to interact and fellowship with the body of Christ, but also knowing that yeah, the thing that you're doing isn't okay. Right. You know. Right. Um, and I think, I mean, that, that I, I believe ultimately is what probably drove them away. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but I just, I, I find that fascinating that they were comfortable enough to be there for that period of time because of the love that they were experiencing from the body. Dude, isn't that what, what it, what you want it to be about? You want it to be, uh, completely, um, uh, completely pleasant, yeah. welcoming, good. And you leave that gospel encounter there right. to do its work. That's like that's the part I always feel like to 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 go with Stott. Man, he's the the master chef. Yeah, he prepared the dish. You just bring it out and serve it. Yeah, you don't have to rearrange the that's parsley. Right. Yeah, you don't have to do the all the other stuff. Yeah, you know, the decor of the restaurant, right. the lighting, all you know, the all that stuff. Yeah, do knock yourself out. Make right. it as welcome as you can. Make sure that meal is as it was prepared. Yeah. So all that to say that the thing that surprised me about Furtick is yeah. that there's a lot of. Um, uh, kind of internal church culture. Mm. Like in, in in my mind, the last thing that I want to do is make a visitor yeah. who is l- good chance is going to be an introvert. Sure. Uh, do something churchy. Yeah. That's going to make them feel weird. Yeah. Uh, so that was a little bit of a surprise. So I assumed he was probably a little more of a secret sensitive guy that would not do that. But he does this thing throughout the messages that he gives mm. where he says, now turn to your neighbor and tell him. Right. And he makes him repeat something. Yeah. And he goes, now turn to your other neighbor. Right. And you see the people. They're all saying it to people. And you know, yeah, some people, I mean, the introvert wants to be sitting, say it's right. a wife, husband on the right, daughter on the on, right. on the left. So she's safe. See, I wonder, though, if that's also indicative of his location, Charlotte, I South, Bible Belt. So even, yeah. even the unbelievers there are going to be aware and familiar because – even the unbelievers in the South are going to be attending church every Sunday because that's what you do. That's a brilliant observation, dude. You know? I, I think, yeah, because you wonder if he tried to do that, say, in Chicago. Yeah. Or tried to do it in uh, in Boston. Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, you're yeah. right. There's a Southern, well, because I know, and, and you know this too, when uh, when I've been in the South, my grandmother lives, still does. She's almost 100 in Cary, yep. outside of Raleigh. Uh, I remember as a kid walking around her neighborhood, we'd go down in the summer and see her for a week and sometimes go to Myrtle Beach with her. Everybody in that neighborhood says hello. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they don't do that where I am right. in Maryland. Right. Uh, although people that come from you know regions north say it's a little friendlier. Seems, pardon me, to get friendlier the, the, right. the, further, the south further south you go. you go. Right. Yeah. So I think there is a Bible Belt culture. Yeah. Where that works in, and but he even uses that mm. as part of his sermonic yeah. device. Yeah. I, I can just tell. Here's a guy who's thought through how he wants to communicate right. things, right? Right. Um, and uh, it's it's interesting. Um, Osteen uh, is still to me a little intriguing. I 
I get Furtick, mm-hmm. uh, the appeal. I get Stanley. Mm-hmm. I don't quite get Osteen. I, I feel like, and it's been years since I've seen yeah. uh, Osteen. The, the last time I saw a message from him, it was I had a friend who was talking about him, and this was years ago, and I really didn't know much about him, and so I started watching him. Yeah regularly just because it was a big deal realized he was a heretic and and stopped but the thing that i felt was so odd was it there was just it felt fake it does feel felt staged that's exactly right the other guys don't feel a stage yeah yeah i mean there's there's some panache particularly with right right. uh panache whatever the term is some rhetorical flair right but it feels like they're genuinely yeah you're getting this guy let me tell you what i want to tell you yeah where yeah, Osteen feels like there's like a warehouse somewhere, right? With okay, uh, here's kind of health, wealth, light sermon scripts, right? And do this. I don't quite get it. Yeah, uh, I would say this. He's very nice, right? His niceness, I think, aids him well. He's got that million dollar white cap teeth right. smile. Um, you know, there's there's something about him. I don't know this for a fact mm-hmm. that I wonder is very appealing to women. Mm. Uh, I don't know for sure. I'm sure, sure. there's a, a number of guys there. I haven't really uh, looked at that, but he's got, he's not, uh, hear me on this, mm-hmm. not saying anything about it. Sure. He, he's not a masculine guy. Yeah. There's a certain way of communicating that's very... Um, I almost feel like he's the televangelist that was plucked from the 70s and transported to yeah, 2018. That's a good way to look at it. I know yeah. what you mean. It's I know like, what you it's mean. That suit, you know, the suit's still there, yeah. and you know, the clean cut and the that smile's always going on. And, yeah, you know, like that. Yeah, there's just you know, like you said, there's there's nothing like overly intimidating about him. I mean, Furtick looks like he could pick you up and rip you in half. Right, like, right. Yeah, Furtick's like a, a, a you know, he's kind of a heartland guy, yeah. he's a muscle guy. Yeah, yeah a guy's a ripped guy. So, although he looks like he might be somewhat short. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if I could take him. Right. But I could I could throw my weight <laughs> That's at him. That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, and um, yeah, so I'm trying to think who else, Nathan, because I know our, this is a shorter one. Our our time is, is evaporating. But um, the, the, the basic thing for me is – Have you been um, – let me uh, – anything on Rob Bell? No, um, no, no. Nothing going back? No, I, I did watch him years ago. Okay. Because I've always been kind of intrigued by different guys' styles. Yeah. Um, and no, but I haven't watched him recently, so everything would be old. And he's not really speaking anywhere yeah, now, right? Yeah. He's, what about um, Willow Creek, dude, who just retired? Yeah, um, Hybels yeah, I Hybels. watched uh, for um, a long time, um, but I haven't watched him recently. But let mm-hmm. me think. There were a few standouts with Hybels when I would – I was in. Hybels, one, just a brilliant storyteller. Mm-hmm. He could really tell a good story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard – it seems like every time I've heard him, I thought, oh, I get – this guy can capture something really – I remember him telling a story about his neighbor and his trash cans. And I remember at the end of it thinking, boy, that's a really boring story, but I was riveted. Right. Like there, were, there was nothing that happened that exciting except that it, when I'm reading Stephen King. Yeah. And it's not even a scary section. The way he can paint the milieu of a town in Maine. Yeah. Like, if you're drawn to that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I feel like I'm there. Right, He's right. He's painting it so well. You, Nothing particularly furthering the story or anything, but just setting setting it up. And, yes. Yeah. That's what I remember about Hybels. I remember I feel like there's three or four times where uh, I heard him, and the story he told, he told in a very textured way mm-hmm. with just enough detail about the person he's talking to. 
uh, that it made me think this guy is a storyteller that's uh, yeah. served him well as a communicator. Obviously, I'm not commenting on sure, sure. all the stuff that went down near the end of his ministry and the Me Too stuff. But sure. Uh, by the way, have you and Zach done any Me Too stuff? Uh, we, the only thing we've done is you know basically um, stuff that we always do, like you know the the gospel, like the gospel should interact in our social lives as well. And so we should be concerned when we, you know, with the racism that oh, we sure, see, sure. we should be concerned about women's rights, yeah. but we haven't specifically touched on oh, like any. Be, yeah. And, and I think part of that is because honestly, at the end of the day, we're a couple dudes. So I was going to listen to Who, us. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, it's a good, that might be one for a guest. Yeah. Um, I, I maybe uh, having Elise Fitzpatrick on and doing it with her. Yeah. That would probably be, that would be cool. That would be cool. Um, yeah, dude. So um, we're wrapping up on the communication stuff, which mm. we can always revisit another sure, time. Sure, sure. Uh, you were asking me about highballs, and so what? I mean, what? I, here's what I'm my takeaway right now. Yeah, is I'm trying to be a little more intentional. If I feel that my, I mean, the most important thing is the content. Yeah, we all know that. Yeah, the content of what's said, uh, it's scriptural. It's it's. Uh, I'll use all the Piper adjective. It's grace saturated, scripturally seasoned. Yeah. Uh, you know, just, you know, superlative it to death. So the content, but then I am thinking: um, Are there some things I'm doing that are maybe blocking this a little bit? Mm. Uh, like e- even simple things. I, it's always plagued me, like it has a lot of preachers. I spend way too much time on an opening because mm. uh, I'm rushing the last point. Sure, that might be the most important point. Sure, and I'm like, well, I ran out of time because I blabbed, you know, so much. Right. That I've, I, I'd love to give this point five minutes instead of one. Right. Uh, and unpack it a little bit more. So things like that, yeah. that I think your style, how you illustrate, how you start. Um, well, and so people understand the reason why it's rushing is because uh, the way our services are set up, we have two services. Yeah. And so, you know, in the first, like you could take all the time you want in that second in service, second one, but yeah. the first service, yeah. you know, we're, we're on time limit where it's got to be done because yeah. you have people waiting out in the, in the hallway yes. ready, ready so, to come in. As we like to, the Holy Spirit has the freedom to move, but he has to do it within only a five minute window. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We say there is the freedom for him to move and change things within right. a five minute window. That's right. Um, Otherwise, come to the second service. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And then even on that, dude, I try to approximate both. Yeah, because yeah. I always feel like I don't. I've because of our community groups, right? Our sermon based, uh, and it's happened occasionally just from slight nuances, right? Where, where someone will say, "Oh, well, I think when Greg shared such and such," you know, what? I didn't hear he never, that. Yeah. Because, you know, I change it a little from sure, service to service. Sure. So I try to keep them the same because our ideal is that we wish we could have everybody at one service. Right. So you right. want to approximate it as, as closely as you can. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Without the time restraint, you know, you are a little more open to things. But I'm finding, Nathan, that um, – I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong in this. I think people shut down. I think 40 minutes and beyond mm. you're pushing. Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe you have the most compelling sermon that's ever been given, and people are hanging on. Yeah, but uh, a buddy of mine, I'm not going to mention him because you know Matt Smith used to be a guest on this podcast <laughs> uh, recently, and everybody knows it because he told me this in his church notes. Preached a message that was 61 minutes, Oof. and uh, I thought, yeah, that's probably a little long, right? Uh, right. You know what I mean? Because I get, and Matt would would know that too. Because I guarantee you, you ask people. They they remember it more when it's shorter. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And well, because they're not they're not jumping in and out. I mm-hmm. mean, 
chances are if, if you're preaching something that long, you've made a point and you've said that point five or six times. Right. And so I got it the first two or three times you right. said it. Right. You don't need to keep saying it. That's a great point. Uh, great point. So yeah, just fun to kick that around a little bit. And I hope yeah. your sermon goes well. Thank you. Man, on Thank July you. 1st. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be um, preaching um, Jesus is greater than. And um, oh, I'm going to be using Hebrews as the main text great. and just looking at, you know, all because Hebrews is the Jesus is greater yeah, than book. And man. so just look all the things that Jesus, Jesus is greater than creation. Jesus is greater than man. Jesus is greater than the prophets. Um, so I'm going to finish on Jesus is greater than death mm. um, and, and let that kind of be the finishing mark. So That's just all the good. things Jesus is greater than. And, Would that be recorded? Do uh, they record the sermons there? I'm not sure. Right. If, it, if it is, I'll... Um, See if I could get you a copy. A- absolutely. Or, dude, just do what I used to do when we were having some recording problems. Oh, yeah. Go up with your just, iPhone. Yeah. Remember, hit just the hit record, record button. It's better than nothing. Yeah. It really is. There were times that, uh, think in the old archives, there's one or two sermons that yep. are recorded on my iPhone. Yeah. So I'm sure they uh, they sound kind of old school. And sure. Stuff, but, I'll, have so. to, I'll have to try to remember that. Yeah. So... Awesome, dude. Well, this has been uh, so much fun. I'm glad we were able to do this. Not too bad. 44 minutes. Yeah. So, yeah. Got a solid uh, one in there. Yeah. But, um, Greg, we're going to go ahead and sign off now. Dude, we just rocked the Casbah. Rocked it. These go to 11.